0: The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Amen. Thank you, Chad. Uh, One more, just really more of an update than an announcement. Last week, if you were not here, we launched... Our project, Christmas, really simple initiative as a church to raise $50,000. That sounds like a large amount, but when you break it down, it's not that crazy. Uh, The money then is spent the following year in our four local mission partners uh, by projects like what we did this year, like replacing roofs, HVAC units, buying refrigerator freezers, uh, backpacks, clothing, food, like whatever they need to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the least of these. We want to be able to financially help with that. But most importantly, then we want to partner with them. We want our church to serve. So it's kind of a, it's a both and. It's not just writing a check. But it's writing a check and then saying, hey, we want to come put your roof on. This is what we want to do. And and so it really goes beautifully together. We're doing the exact same four organizations that we did last year. Uh, There's information about that in the lobby. But uh, here's the deal. Got an update. So after one week, Project Christmas, we are at $790 of our $50,000 goal. Um, So I did some math. That's roughly 1.8% of the way there. Okay, so we have some work to do, but the way we attain our goal is that the thousand of us all get $50, and, and we break it down that way because it's very simple. It's the thought that most people can't afford to get 50 bucks this season. You have a conversation with your family, you've got four people in your family, it's like, hey, we need to set aside $200 for Project Christmas so that as a church we can raise this much, much larger sum. I, I ask this of everybody every year, if $200 for your family of four is impossible, this is not there, then I would still encourage you to pray and think like, what can we give? But then I would look at the, uh, the husband and wife. And it's $100 for your family. But maybe, maybe you could give triple that just to kind of help cover those that can't. So that's the, how the kingdom of God works. That's how the economy of God works. That's how the church comes alongside one another. And that's how we reach our goal. That's how we become the hands and feet of Jesus in our communities. That's how God is glorified. Do you kind of get where I'm going, like this is all really good stuff. So, um, seat backs, giving envelopes, teach you how to, show you how to give with your phone, safe and secure, put money in there, drop it in the offering box, whatever you want to do, just market project Christmas, all goes in, we'll give you updates as we get closer to our goal. Love you guys, but it, like, I'm going to get into mean mode if, if we're not, if we're not doing this in the next few, few weeks, okay, so like, let's get, let's avoid mean Todd, keep happy Todd. And everyone just have the conversation with their family and and do it. So, um, (coughs) excuse me. We are really in the second week of an Advent series, but we cheated. We started Advent a week early. So Advent actually starts today. So last week, uh, just not guilt, but just if you were here last week, raise your hand. If you were here. Okay, what were the two things I wanted us to focus on for this entire season? Zen, remember. Extra donut holes. What was it? Door, uh, for Advent, for Jesus, there were two specific things: holiness. Does anyone remember the other one? Celebration, holiness, celebration, all for Jesus. We got, it, we got, it, we got a trifecta right there. Um, <coughs> so, when you ask me to be holy and to celebrate, I want to know why and how. I want to know how does uh, all right. So I'm just supposed to be holy? Great why and then how am I supposed to do that the beautiful answer to both of those questions not just because we're in church but because it's the truth the beautiful answer to both those questions is Jesus that's why I'm called to be holy in this season not just be about Christmas parties and dinners and, and gifts and what that I'm called to be holy because Jesus is holy and I'm called to celebrate because Jesus is worthy and that's how I do both is because he is holy and worthy, and that should cause me to want to be holy and celebrate. For each of the four weeks of Advent, starting today then, we're going to look at one characteristic of Jesus, specifically Jesus' coming to earth, his Advent. That's what the word means, coming. By Jesus coming to earth, he revealed many truths about himself and about us, his children. And the first one today, I, I don't apologize for this. But it is the most foundational and basic of the truths. But when I say it's foundational, it is imperative that we get this before we go any further. And so Jesus coming to earth, being born and laid in a manger, his life being lived, his death for sin, revealed to us, among other things, but most importantly and foundationally, that God... Loves you. I'm not going to get all weird on you yet, but I'm going to say it a few times so it sinks in. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Now, it's interesting because I imagine that's not the first time you've ever heard that. God is love. God loves everyone. God loves all the little children, all the children of the world. We got songs about it. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Probably not the first time you've heard it. But depending on the circumstances of your life, I promise you it weighs differently every time you hear it. There are some of you who are like, yep, I feel it, I love it, he does, I love him, it's awesome. There are others of you today are dealing with circumstances in your life where you're going, if this is love, you can have it back. You can take it back. Because you are allowing or causing this to happen in my life. And you either are not loving or you're not all powerful. And if you're not loving, then forget your love. And if you're not all powerful, then you can't be God. So at some point, this is all going to fall apart anyway. The circumstances in our life impact the way we hear that. And I know that. I want you to know it's safe for you to feel that. I've felt that. But if we're going to allow circumstances to impact that truth, and just hear me, I believe it is true, unequivocally true that God loves you. But if we're going to allow our circumstances to impact our belief, or lack of belief in that statement, then can we at least allow circumstances to possibly impact us the other way. And here's what I mean. Here's what I mean by that. God loves you, and I think I can prove it. But before I do, we got to understand what we're talking about. So what is love? And I'm not going to go all philosophical on you, but we got to kind of clarify that. What is love? So let's just begin with this. Or so by a showing of hands, who here has been in love? I'm talking like earthly love. If you've been in love. Raise your hand. If you're here with your spouse, get it up faster. Immediately, like, <laughs> higher. Heart pounding, feet tingling, armpits sweating love, Right? Did- You know, you've been, you've felt that. It's great. It's wonderful. But see, I use the same term to describe my feeling towards nachos. (laughs) I love them. It's a great food group. Chips and cheese and then whatever you want. All for you. I love nachos. I love watching sports. It's hard for me to focus right now because I know that the people are discussing whether or not OU is going to be in the college football playoff right now. <laughs> and you're checking your phone. I know you are. <laughs> but I love sports. Love watching sports. I love golf. I love it. It's weird how how I feel about it. I love golf. I love to play golf. Now I have a family, okay, that I love, and and they 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 make it to where I don't get to play golf. Not because of anything they do, but just because, I mean, who's got six hours, you know, when you got three small kids? I, to not sound cliche, but just to be honest, I had no idea what love was until this crew showed up. And, and I just made a comment about not being able to golf, and you know what? That's cool. Because I didn't know until I became a husband and a father what love is, and, and I always got mad. And, and I, like for the college students in the room, you're sitting here and you're just like, yeah, make me feel like I don't know anything. I'm ignorant. You don't know anything. You just haven't experienced it yet. It's not against you. It's not a slap in your face. But there's something about Bryce. That's the biggest one. And Reed, that's the middle one. And then Parker. Even when they're turds. <laughs> I, I love them. I love him a lot. Paige like, is the love of my life. Like this, It changed. It just changed. Just... Yes, I, I love nachos, but I, I love that crew. And the reason that I know that I love that crew is because of how Jesus himself, in his own words, defines the greatest kind of love. He doesn't say necessarily what love is, but he says the greatest kind of love is this. John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this. No one has ever experienced greater love than this. To lay down one's life for one's friends. To give your life for another. Now you're going... Well, Todd, you're still here and they're still here. You haven't given your life for them. How, how do you know that's what love is? It's because I know I would. And I'm not saying that in a cavalier way. It would be terrible. I pray that never happens, but I know I would. So the next couple moments are gonna get weird and slightly morbid, okay? Just a warning. But I want you to think, who on this earth would you die for? Who would you die for? Just think it, think it out. And I've, I've already shared with you mine. People in that picture, yes, 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 and yes. Now, as you're thinking, I want to add a very important, yet this is the morbid part, a caveat. It's not like you would jump in front of a bullet. Because that's heroic, that's selfless, that's incredible. But people do that all the time, and it's not based on love, it's based on heroism, hero-something word. (laughs) Someone can email me what that word is. It's based on that. It's not necessarily fueled by love. So here's the caveat to the question. Who would you give your life for if you had 30 days to think about it? 30 days to decide. So I I told you, it's gonna get weird, right? But here's the scenario. This person will die 30 days from now unless you walk in on that 30th day and say, no, I'll take their spot. Who would you do that for? Even after 30 days, those four, yes. Now, I love my dad. I really do but he's pushing 70. <laughs> so like, Todd, he dies. If you don't take his place, do you love him? Yeah, I love him. But I got things I want to do. <laughs> I, I, it's, a, it's actually a really, really good test, right? It's, it's weird and it's so whimsical that we really don't want to go there, but it's a pretty good test. I, I really do. I love my staff. Like, I love them. Love my staff. I don't think after 30 days of thinking about it, I would die for any of them. Like, even Jay back there. I love Jay. And the sad thing is he would probably die for me. That's the sad part. <laughs> That's just very telling of our relationship. But it's it's actually a really good test. True love, the greatest kind of love, is the kind of love that one would lay down their life for someone else. Romans 5, verse 8. God demonstrates his own love towards us. God doesn't say, I love you. He demonstrates. He shows us how much he loves us that while we were still sinners, and this is where it gets even crazier, Christ died for us. We were enemies. And God himself sent his son. Now those three boys up there, Promise you, there is no one on this earth that I would give one of them for. Promise you. Not happening. But that's exactly what God did. And see, church, I think sometimes we hear God loves us. Jesus died for us. And we fail to step back and really comprehend what in the world that means, what that entails. It seems like some kind of fairy tale interaction, a story told long ago. Well, it did happen a long time ago, but it's no fairy tale. These aren't made up characters. God showed his own love for us. In that, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is just crazy to me. It's crazy cool that I'm a recipient of it, but it's crazy. Ephesians 2, the first five verses, does an incredible job, in my opinion, of painting the picture. Okay, Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 5. As for you, and that includes all of us. You were dead in your transgressions and sin. Meaning you were without hope because of sin. That's all that means. Everyone is at that point. You used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time or another. We were gratifying the cravings of our flesh, just doing whatever our stomach told us to do. We were following its desires and its thoughts. Like the rest of the world. We were by our own nature deserving of wrath, punishment. That's what we that's what we should get. That's what we deserve. You go to Bible college, though, they call the next word, first word of verse four, the biggest butt in the Bible. That's what they call it. And I always thought that was kind of funny big butt, <laughs> you know, too immature to say that. But the first 3 verses <coughs> they're pretty telling. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive We were enemies deserving of wrath, but he showed us mercy. He made us alive with Christ. (coughs) (coughs) Even when we were dead, it is by grace that you have been saved. God loves you even though you were deserving of his wrath. Even though we do not deserve to be loved. He still loves us. And he gives us grace. Grace means unmerited, unearned favor. That's what grace means. He gives us grace. And that's how we're saved. We're saved by grace through faith. I want to start saying it again, just so it sinks in. God loves you. God really loves you. God really, 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 really loves you. Now, here's the cool thing about God's love. You didn't earn it. You didn't wake up one day and God went, bingo, finally you got it. You didn't earn it. So here's the cooler part. Since you didn't earn it, you can't lose it. You know how many people I talk to that feel like God doesn't love them because they've done something wrong? And I, and I just, I, it's like this reverse psychology. Like, hey, um, bub. I can assure you that God still loves you. And here's the only reason you need to know. I assure you that he loves you uh, because you didn't do anything for him to love you in the first place. So whatever you think you've done to make him not love you now, doesn't matter because you didn't do anything in the first place to get him to love you. You don't earn it, so you can't lose it. You can't make him love you anymore by being awesome. Wish you could, but you can't. And you can't make him love you any less. Even when you're the worst possible person you can be. If my boys were absolute punks to me for a day, I would be mad. If they were punks to me for a week, it would probably start to hurt my heart. If they were absolute horrible children to me for 10 years, that'd be devastating. But I don't think I'd love them any less. Now you're like... Big words for a guy with three kids under the age of eight. But I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And maybe you've been a punk to God for a week, a day, or 10 years. And can I just tell you, he still loves you. God loves you. God loves you more than you'll ever know, more than you'll ever feel. And the reason He doesn't just say that He loves you, the reason He shows us is so that we're not left wondering about our feelings. We get to look at the evidence. Every night, when I pray for those boys, when Paige or I pray for those boys, we finish the prayer, and I've said this before. We finish it by saying, Your mama loves you, which is true. Your daddy loves you, which is true. Your brothers love you, which we hope becomes true. <laughs> and Jesus loves you most of all. Because as a family, we can model love. They will get an idea of what love is by the way that Paige and I love one another, by the way that we love them, but we want them to know that we are not perfect. And that that picture's never gonna be perfect because Jesus loves you most of all. We want them to know that. And I want them to teach it to their kids. I want that to just become part of who they are. That there is nothing I can do to make Jesus love me less or more. He just loves me because of who I am. Jesus loves you. And what's so cool about that truth is then all that he asks you to do in response to that love, all that he wants you to do in response to that. All he wants you to do to step into that love is found in our favorite Vacation Bible School verse. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, it was love that motivated, that he gave his one and only son, still crazy, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Did you see the response in there? Believe him. Well, Todd, it says, believe in him. It's talking about faith. I know, I know. I went to VBS also. But to believe in him, to have faith in him, you have to believe him. You have to believe that he loves you. You have to know that. You have to believe that. You have to trust that. You have to declare that. God loves me. Not because I have earned it or deserve it, but because he loves me. Because he loves me. There's no other reason. He loves me because he loves me. You've got to believe that. And the ramifications are eternal. God loves you. The response that he looks for out of his extravagant love is for you simply to believe that he loves you. Now, tying into where we're going for this Advent season, from that, then, I believe, will flow holiness and celebration But the fuel of that is God's love. God loves you. There's some controversy about a song that we sing here quite a bit. If you're a follower of blogs or podcasts, there's a song called Reckless Love. We sing it, and there's a few people that get all worked up over it because they don't think that God can be reckless in any way, shape, or form. While I do not hold their opinion, if the word messes you up, replace it. The song would be titled Awesome Love. I have no problem with awesome love. The lyrics of the song that we will refer to now as awesome love, just so no one checks out on me. The lyrics of the song that Billy read in her testimony just a few weeks ago before she was baptized, they're incredible talking about God's awesome, possibly reckless love. It chases me down. It fights till I'm found. His love leaves the 99. Had someone come up after the first time we sang a song go, what in the world's that? Leaves 99. It's Luke 15, one sheep, 99 sheep. He goes, leaves 99, go find the one. It's... Possibly a little reckless, wouldn't you think? (laughs) I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Still, you die for me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, awesomely, possibly reckless love of God. as the band comes back up here, we're going to sing that song. But church, I need you to know something before we do. God loves you. God loves you. Tyler, God loves you, man. Just so much, just so much. He loves you so much. He does. He loves you. He just just loves you. Loves you so much. Paul, you're a mess. But he loves you. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. David, you may not always feel it, but he loves you. Loves you so much. I can't miss. I can't. I can't be wrong about this. I can pick anyone in this room. I can pick anyone in this room. Patrick, I could pick you, and it'd be true, and be the same with Chase. I could pick anybody. Justin, don't make eye contact. I'll call you out. <laughs> I could pick anyone. Corey. You're as redneck as they come and God loves you so much. Because you didn't earn it and you don't deserve it. But he loves you. Loves you. And that's the foundation. Like, Todd, this was kind of elementary here, bud. Nah. This is everything. This is everything. Because you don't get this, there's no reason to go on to anything else. God loves you. So here's all I want you to do. I want you to believe it. Even if it's really hard right now because of your circumstances, I want you to believe it, that God loves you. Even if you've been a punk for years, he loves you. I want you to believe it. And if you do, then one more ask, one more request. Would you be so bold as to tell someone else? Because there's a big old world out there that needs to know that God loves them. And the church has done a really great job of messing this up. Telling people that God needs them to change. That's not the gospel. He loves them. And once they believe in that, then they'll start to work on them from the inside out. God loves you. Prayer to be up here. Communion, probably a good day to do that. Okay, probably a real good day as we reflect on God's love for us. Probably a great day to do communion. So you do that at your leisure. As we celebrate the fact that God loves us and we sing a song that declares it. So would you stand? Would you go and stand right now and then I'm gonna pray. You stand then I'll pray. God, reveal to us how much you love us. Whisper it, shout it. But most importantly, Lord, let us see the facts that you demonstrated your love for us. Now may we, in response, believe it, embrace it, trust in it, worship you because of it, celebrate and proclaim. God, let us respond to you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. God loves you. Let's love him back.